Welcome to another episode of Artifacts, where we discuss how our lives affect art inside out. I am your host, Jade Hassel, and today we had the pleasure of being in conversation with Joanne Bolburgess. Joanne Bolburgess is a resident of Nairobi, Kenya, and a citizen of the world. She was born and raised in Bermuda. Better known by her stage name, Jo One is a multi-talented dancer, choreographer, singer, songwriter, author, and educator. She is also a certified yoga instructor. Her unique approach to yoga dance integration is taught regularly in Nairobi and during the Lamu Yoga Festival for the past four consecutive years. She expresses herself through jazz, funk, hip hop, Afrofusion, dancehall, and dance fitness. She has formal training in West African dance, modern contemporary dance, lyrical, and ballet. She also has training in East African traditional dances, hip hop. Dance hall and musical theater. Joanne believes that dance is a gift of freedom through movement. Jo One's main goal has always been to bring health, clarity, and healing through dance to the observer and to the participant. She has also performed and taught dance globally in countries such as the USA, Israel, Cyprus, Egypt, Bermuda, Uganda, and Kenya. In 2008, she earned her master's in education. Her research investigated how dance, music, and drama can enhance the learning model in school curricula. This led her to found the Cottage School, which is an alternative learning space for students in Nairobi. Back in 2015, she is the longest-serving female judge for East Africa's widely acclaimed dance competition show, Sakata Masharaki, on Citizen TV. Jo One emerged as an unparalleled breath of fresh air to the dance industry in Kenya. Thus, she generated a beloved fan base. Today, she released her new single "Tired Feet," which you can find in a link in the description box below. Jo One is an inspiration for those interested in carving out a space for themselves as a multi-passionate artist. She has shown that playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. That we are all meant to shine. A true inspiration. If you would like to connect with Jo One, you can find her on YouTube at Jo Dash One and on Instagram at Jo Bermudian. Good afternoon, Jo. Thank you so much for being here on the Artifacts Podcast. We're super excited to have you in conversation today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me as well. Yes, it's such a pleasure. I just wanted to share with everybody how Jo and I actually know each other. We actually met last year at Calix's solo show at Bermuda College, and I just remember meeting you, and I thought you were such a beautiful spirit, so chill, so relatable.、Oh. Yes, just such a beautiful person. I'm really happy that we were able to connect that day. I'm really happy that、mm-hmm. we could connect again today in conversation on the podcast. So thank you so so much for being here. Like I said, it's still my pleasure. I'm really excited. It's really an honor to just be interviewed. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yes. So let's just get started. Some of our listeners may or may not be from Bermuda, so I just wanted to have you start talking a little bit about what your experience was like growing up on the island, and what you experienced, how you were able to transition into your music. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of insight what it was like growing up in sure. Bermuda? Sure. So.、Um, Growing up in Bermuda, of course, you have all the beautiful beaches and the pink sand, and you know swimming quite often. 
playing in the banana trees. I used to like tie bits of kite string to the banana trees. And that was like my clothes line for my doll's clothes. Um, oh, how cute. <laughs> I was always, <laughs> yeah, I was always super imaginative. So I was the one, you know, kind of making up game games and making everyone in the neighborhood play those games. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother reminded me, I had actually forgotten that um, she had parents come to her one summer and they were like, what's this my child has to do? Like, what is this? And she was like, what? And she's like, my child's coming home and the stre- the, the stress because they're like, you know, they have to learn these lines for a play. And I'm telling them, I'm trying to figure out what play is this? And it mm-hmm. was me. I had handwritten out, written out these lines for this play and everyone had to learn these lines because we were going <laughs> to do a performance on the porch and we were going to invite everybody. And we did it actually, you know, oh, that's we used so cool. blankets and sheets and parents clothes for costumes. And so that, that was always me, very mm-hmm. imaginative, very creative, also very shy. So I never really considered myself to be one of those, you know, popular girls or whatever, very loud girls. I never felt like I was somebody that, you know, the boys were all looking at, you know, my big glasses and, you know, big teeth and skinny ankles. And my feet had been the same size since I was 11 years old. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, growing up in Bermuda, I, I was shy because there was one mold to fit into. It was, mm-hmm. and if you weren't that mold, then you were just not it. And if you know, very small island community. Yes. Where you have to be a certain thing. There's just mm-hmm. like these few categories that you can fit into. So, you know, I was very shy, like I said, and most people even today when they see me, you know, singing and dancing and doing all the things, they're like, oh, is that the same shy Joanne? Right. And I feel like in small communities, island communities are just small communities in general. We need to make space for the people mm. who are not, who don't fit that mold, yes. you know? So, um, yes. you know, I was always singing since I was about seven and often I would fake being sick to not sing when I got really, really sh- Oh, well, you were really nervous. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so nervous and actually my stomach would hurt and it would be all the things and all the drama on the inside but when I would start to sing all of that would go away and of course at that time it was you know only in the church Mm -hmm. and um, then started dancing much later as a um, in my early teens and for me dancing was a gift at the first part it was something that I felt like I was giving given by the universe to help people to be free Mm -hmm. to help to foster healing in people's lives and that's how I've always used dance whether I'm doing a contemporary piece whether it's you know something West African or fusion or whether I'm wearing booty shorts shaking my butt Mm -hmm. there's always some reference to healing there's always some intention to freedom that I feel that happens I can definitely relate in terms of you know just growing up in Bermuda and like you said there are very specific modes that you have to fit into or feel like you have to fit into growing up and how for me like art was that outlet the the thing that I could you know just have on my own and express myself and so Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you've also found a way to freedom in your own life and you know being able to express yourself and and find your own path that didn't necessarily fit other people's narrative of what we're supposed to be through art and I think that that's extremely important and I love you know that you were able to 
have access to being able to sing and dance at a young age, because I think that that also does play a huge role, especially for kids to be able to have free self-creative expression. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you're currently living and working in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, when and why did you decide to move there? I think that's super interesting as a part of your life story. Sure. So um, I've lived in many different places in the world, two different states in the U.S. I've lived in Jerusalem and now Nairobi, Nairobi, Kenya, which is interesting because um, prior to me being nine, before I was 19, I hadn't visited anywhere besides my home country, Bermuda and Canada, you know, Mm -hmm. where my mother is from. So the fact that I travel a lot now is, is, is um, surprising to me. We, my family and I came back to Bermuda after living in Israel for four years, which was a wild ride. Not mm-hmm. enough time for this interview. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we came on the, just about maybe two or so years before the recession hit. And we, as a young mm-hmm. family with two babies, you know, we're living and working in Bermuda and feeling like, you know, we had so much more to offer than yes. what was being presented to us. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that I had experienced systemic and systematic racism right. as an adult um, in the 80s slash 90s, the way that, um, I don't know if this was ma- most parents, but I felt like we were brought up in a sense of, you know, everything's great. Yeah. You know, Kumbaya, slavery wasn't as bad in Bermuda as it was in the U.S. And racism doesn't exist anymore because it's not blatant necessarily or right. in your face. Yeah. And so, you know, I came back to Bermuda like, yeah, you know, from college, the sky is the limit and all of this. And experienced some things that were shocking in my own country. Like, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know this was still happening. Right. So, um, you know, with all of our degrees and I have several, my husband has several. It's like, you know, we can branch out globally and of course just like most Bermudians we're looking in the U.S. we're looking in the U.K. we're looking in parts of Europe where we can go and work and the recession had already hit in many of those areas and so the jobs weren't coming through we sent out the resumes and they just weren't coming through around that time my husband had been asked to if he could do a consultancy for two months in South Sudan and also in Nairobi he's like cool so he did that And in the meantime, while he was in Nairobi, he was looking around like, wow, my wife would really love this. At some point, the um, NGO that he was working with said, well, would you like to extend your time for a year? He, of course, he was like, yes. Mm -hmm. He called me from Nairobi and was like, hey, hon, what about moving to Kenya? And I was like, what? You know, (laughs) that was not on my radar. Right, like, And I just want to take a caveat here and say, especially as Black Bermudians, people Mm -hmm. of color. It's actually devastating the fact that we don't recognize that there are so many professional and vocational opportunities on the continent. We don't even know about them, but all the Asians do and the Europeans do and the Americans do. Everybody else knows this. Everyone else knows this. People are buying up hectares of land and working for all the things and having a great life and our people don't seem to know that there are other options available. So back to the point, moved here and um, I said, we're going to be here for one year. And he's like, fine. And at that one year mark, literally, I signed three contracts in one day. Wow. That's um, amazing. I signed a contract to be on the most popular TV show in East Africa. To wow, that's incredible. To be judge 
I signed a book contract and I signed a teaching contract all in one day. Jeez. And, you know, I'm thankful. And I, and I would say, and I still say this often, living in Nairobi is the first place in my life where I've had to say, that's a great idea or that's a great venture. I can engage that in two years because there's so much to do. There's so much opportunity opportunity right um that you know you can't spread yourself too thin you know that self-care and that day-to-day thing that those things are all needed that health you know the opportunity for you to spread out your goals and not try to do them all at once is what you're saying absolutely yeah absolutely and then also delegating i'm also a serial delegator so mm-hmm. <laughs> that one year turned into nine years. Wow. So, so you guys have been there for nine years now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. How about your kids? Do they love it there? They do. And, you know, sometimes like previously we, we visited um, Bermuda. No, Quincy had been there. I had been back and forth, but it had been six years, no, five years since we had taken our kids there. Yeah. And the little, little one, he was three at the time. He hadn't been to Bermuda at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you always have doubts. Like, am I doing the right thing? That kind of thing. And of course, the kids are absolutely fantastic. But especially when we went to Bermuda, I was like, yeah, we made the right decision. Wow. Um, my kids have seen black wealth, exponential wealth, politicians, mm. business people, yeah. all kinds of entrepreneurs. They've also seen black poverty, but none of it is equated to the color of the skin. Right. You know, there's, they, they don't, they haven't grown up with the mindset that I can't do something or that space is not for me because right. I'm black. Or right. if I say this as a black person, I will be professionally punished they don't have that framework you know and in bermuda you know if an adult asks them a question they'll look them in the eye and be like you know just answer the question matter of factly yeah and that's something that me as a black bermudian woman took me time i would say even in my early 20s to kind of get used to and to get over yes you know and so i was like sure we definitely have made the right decision they look at bermuda and they, you know, compare and contrast to the places they've been and they laugh at the different things that are quirky and funny right. and they don't do things personally as yeah. much, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you, it sounds like, you know, having them there, like they've been able to grow up as like well-rounded and, you know, having so many different experiences. And then also what's interesting too about growing up in Bermuda, like you were saying in the, the 80s and 90s, and even for me, because I grew up like in the 90s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. there was like this unspoken kind of like something that you internalize, but it, you don't know that it's there. It's kind of like, exactly. yeah, it becomes more um, visible when you become an adult, but it's always there that there's like this internalized belief that you're not as good. And it's, a, right. it's great that your kids haven't grown up with that kind of lens and that they, you know, have had a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, I, I'm acting like this is a land of milk and honey and it's not. There there mm-hmm. are still things that need to change here. There are, yeah. you know, every country has its thing, has its issues. But having said that, I just mm-hmm. want to make it clear that I feel like there are, that there are opportunities on the continent, not just in Kenya, that yeah. we as Black people should explore. Yeah, definitely. At least, or if we're going to consider moving to other places to not just consider, like you said, the Canada's 
U.S., exactly. the U.K., but also... You don't even yeah. like the cold, so what are we right. doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, because that's the first thing I'd be complaining about when I'm here, so... Right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So your life has been completely enriched and changed since you've been in Nairobi. I wanted to ask you how moving to an African country I mean, Kenya has enriched your artistic expressions. I think in so many ways. I remember, so when we first moved here, I didn't have a job. Like I said, my husband was consulting. So, you know, I was able to really explore Nairobi and, you know, meet the dance community and be involved there and actually Mm -hmm. learn salsa here, not in Bermuda because I was too shy in Bermuda. I felt like it was a club. That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember, you know, going to different shows and stuff and I would say, oh my God, what is that beautiful sound? And someone would say, you know, that, like for instance, that's called Luo Benga. And that mm-hmm. artist has taken the traditional sound and fused it with what's modern. I'm like, wow. And then I go to another show and there'd be, you know, like a, a Maasai guy. But this Maasai guy, he's got the Maasai jewelry on, but he's got tattoos and, right. you know, he's he's wearing jeans and so that he's fusing he's he's figuring out how is he how does he move in this world honoring mm. his heritage in in 2000 and whatever that was just go back 10 years ago um, and you know this guy is playing music and you know it's it has another sound and i'm just like wow it just everything just sounded like the most beautiful thing that i had never heard and um i've always been a person that loved color i really don't think that matching is 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 rated much it's just completely overrated <laughs> and I just feel like I just wear what I want to wear and it works right. and it looks I look good so I feel like moving here supported who I already am or who I was already mm. becoming it was just more available here right you know I go into a store in Bermuda and look around for the colors that I want and I didn't really I would rarely find that here it's everywhere so what that did it in when I went to sing or dance or what have you I was like, okay, we're, if I'm going to write a song, I want to include some Swahili. So how can I include, you know, a phrase here or there? Um, if I'm going oh, to make cool. a music video, how can I support the local tailor? So I want this local tailor yes. to make my outfits and, you know, and things like that. I want this space to be the space that we shoot in, these particular dancers. And, and so mm-hmm. like everything was very strategic. Yes. Yeah. Always intentional, always mm-hmm. intentional. Yeah. I love to see the way that you express yourself on your Instagram page. I love your oh, music yeah. videos. <laughs> yes. So nice. <laughs> so, so cool. And it's, it's actually super inspiring. Like I've been, you know, since I started following you last year when I met you, like super inspired by just your level of freedom in your life. I think it's amazing what you're doing with yoga, what you're doing, with your music, dance, like it's incredible. It's interesting. People do talk a lot about my Instagram and Facebook. And I always try to stress that Instagram and Facebook for me is a toy. It's a tool. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's, it is very strategic, but that's like less the Instagram post and all of that is like less than 5% of the actual work that's going right. on in the preparation and the planning and the emails and the whatever and the practice that's yes. actually taking place. And I, and I feel like I'm probably not as good um, at showing the groundwork at the moment, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm shy to show that the non-finished product, maybe who knows, right. but um so yeah, when people see the Instagram pages and it's like, oh, that's so inspiring. She probably never gets sad. And, you know, obviously I get sad. Yes, <laughs> I'm we human all too. do. Yes. Exactly. 
And, um, but it, it is nice to know that others are being spot inspired and, you know, getting good vibes. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting. I just thought of something um, when you were saying that, you know, that like what you show on your Instagram page is only like 5% of everything that it takes to do everything. And I completely agree. And that's why I think when we are in positions where we are creating and things, I think it's really cool if you can share your backstory or you could share like some of the process. Cause like you said, like what we see on Instagram is the finished product, but people don't really see how much work actually goes into it. Like it took this and connecting with this person or, you know, sending this kind of email. Like I'm thinking we probably sent about maybe 10 to 15 emails <laughs> before we could even just get between this. us. Yes. Yeah, just this <laughs> interview. Exactly. So yeah, that's important, like to be able to show people that it's not just okay, wham, bam, uh, and here it is, and it's created like it literally takes so much groundwork to to get stuff. And that's what's important about the creative process, too, is like seeing that it's not really necessarily about the finished product, but more so like the journey, the journey to get to that thing. And I think people love that and seeing that I know I do. And I think well, I know what people are seeing, um, you know, on YouTube, the dance and the singing and the songwriting and the books that I've published, if you're seeing that now, Mm -hmm. there is a 10 to 15 year process behind that, behind each product. Like sometimes I'll write a song and put it right out there, but usually there's a, there's a marination, there's a tweaking. There's such a process, you know, I like to like when I teach the kids and you know, they think they're going to write an essay and submit it and be done. And I'm like, you ought to know, like, I, ha- I had to edit this piece that, that you see like 50 times yes. or more. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, everything is a process. So I feel like if people are willing to go through the process of whatever it is they're working on, their business, their vacation, um, even themselves. And I feel like that's a big part that we also don't talk about much. The mm-hmm. internal work that becomes outward. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that's the main point. That's the, the whole main point. There's a process to everything. I feel like the internal work kind of prepares us to be able to um, withstand whatever's going to happen yeah. when we're out there. I definitely know the show, you know, in, in one day people were screaming my name and, you know, I'm getting trolled on Twitter and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if I go to the grocery sh- store, should I wear makeup or not? Because people see me with makeup on TV. These are the decisions I had to make in like a day. And, you know, a lot of that internal work helped to support that process mm. so that, you know, we don't become people who are addicted to substances and addicted to things that are not healthy or things that don't right. help us to make healthy choices. So it's definitely an ongoing thing, like the internal work. I guess it's, it just never stops. It's a journey and not really a real destination. I wanted to ask you about your new project that's dropping this week, which is super exciting. Yay! And I've heard it and it's amazing. Can you share with us um, what the inspiration is behind the project? Yay! So I'm imagining that by the time um, this podcast launches that it might already be out. So that's going to be exciting. Yes. Um, Yeah. So Tired Feet. I wrote Tired Feet about maybe almost 15 years ago. This is one of those marination projects. Right. Wow. um, Yeah. It was originally called Two Worlds. I wrote it as a poem first. And I wrote it because, you know, we were transitioning to get ready to move from Jerusalem back home to Bermuda. 
Mm-hmm. And Jerusalem, you know, I'm, we can't racism. I mean, they are, they can get the gold medal for racism. Wow. Oh my goodness. So like, but stuff you haven't even seen or heard of, like, or experienced. So um, I knew that that was not going to be the place for me to stay long-term, but I had still, even with all of the issues there, um, I had grown fond of the place for some reason. And it was kind of odd to me and I missed it when yes. we got back to Bermuda. So, you know, I wrote this song about, you know, I've these two different worlds that, you know, one, I feel like it's home and the other one says that, you know, tells me that it's home. So like, which one is home kind of thing. So the, one of the lines in the song is, I've come a long way home and I found my dreams protected here. And here meaning in my heart, home is in your heart. And mm-hmm. no matter what you've been through, and you know, we had been through a lot living in Jerusalem at that point, I felt like it grew me up as an adult, maybe, I don't know, maybe even a bit jaded. Um, so I wrote that song and it was a, a part of it is about Bermuda. Broken promise, quiet grudges, ceiling made of glass, shallow pleasantries, judge what they see and hold you far. With doubtful eyes, they yearn to trust as they walk along their way. Your life is a storybook that only you have time to read. And, um, and, it's, that and so that, that part is specifically about my observation living in Bermuda. You know, people say, morning, morning, how are you? And when you go to say, well, actually, I'm not really having a good day. Well, oh, no, no. People don't really have time right. to hear all that. Don't want to hear it that. It was just right. a, a pleasantry. And um, you know, the chorus talks about having tired feet, learning to dance again with tired feet. And that speak, was speaking directly to, you know, we came back to Bermuda. I had had two C-sections. One was very rough and I literally didn't think I would dance again, mm-hmm. literally. So that's why I published my books, The Lizard and the Rock and the Prices Hog Painting, because I thought, well, if I'm not going to dance again, let me actually bring out another talent that I've kind of kept hidden. Right. And um, most people don't know that. And as I got back into yoga, I slowly found myself getting the strength to dance again. Not just the strength, also the mental capacity to kind of think clearly again. And um, so that's tired feet. I didn't want to produce it because I didn't really trust. So now we're jumping back to living in Kenya. I didn't know of any producer who could really handle that project. Um, a dear friend of mine, Ami, he's actually from Antigua. He lives here. He's in our beautiful Caribbean community. He opened up a studio. Now, you know Ami, Ami the Veggie Man, from one of my songs called Don't Disturb My Dance. He's in there. Um, mm-hmm. We wrote that song together. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, he opened up a studio. And so we recorded the song. Then I was like, yeah, I'm going to release it in March. And, you know, I came back from Lamu because Lamu is generally the Lamu Yoga Festival. And I love teaching there. Just a beautiful place. I should be on everyone's bucket list. Okay, that's a shout out for Lamu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then COVID hit. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I have this song. And I even have another song. I'm like, what do I do? And I really didn't know what to do because I really felt like I wanted to have a, a music video to go along with it. And, you know, social distancing and Right. You know, the fear of COVID and just, you know, wanting to stay safe and keep the family safe. And, you know, of course, Kenya had taken very strong measures to try and, you know, reduce the numbers, which I am so happy about. Yes. So I didn't really know what to do. As curfew has started to lift a little bit, 
we've been able to do more things. And I decided to change the storyline of the music video to fit with what people might or some people might be experiencing right. in their homes during yes. COVID. Or I know Bermuda is, is in phase four, so maybe they're finished with that. But for a lot of people all over the world and in Kenya, I'll start with dancers, dancers who don't have access to you know, a reliable internet source, have not been receiving steady income and sometimes have really had hard times. And you see that in the music video. And then you mm -hmm. see someone who's in the house and he's just drinking. And what do they say? I think oh, globally, alcoholism consumption has increased, what, 53% or something? I did hear about that. Though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... You know, when we're running around and we're out working and we're looking good and everything is great, we don't have to face the demons that are on the inside. Yes. And what I mean is on the inside of us. We can ignore the anxieties and just allow what we see as success or what is success to others to kind mm -hmm. of be the barometer for how our life is being lived. And when all of that is stripped away, sometimes people lose their identity yes. and don't know who they are without all the trappings and the trimmings. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. alcoholism and whatever else people can get their hands on to help them to quiet those voices that tell them they're a failure without this job or that opportunity mm -hmm. or that schedule um, or that community. So you see that in the music video. And you, you hear the repeating line, my dreams are safe here. My mm -hmm. dreams are safe here. And so it's a story of hope. It's very different than uh, most of my other songs where, you know, we're shaking our butts, we're dropping mm -hmm. it down low, we're dancing around, having yes. a good time and color and glitter and all of that. This one is a little bit different. Of course, it's mm -hmm. still color. I released this one now just because of where we are in the world. So timely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely timely. I, I love this song. I love it. It's so nice. Hey. Um, yes, <laughs> I was actually, yes. yes, I was listening to it um, before our interview, but I, I think it's such a timely song. And it's interesting because I actually didn't even really make the connection between, you know, what's happening globally um, with the pandemic and things until you actually said it. And Joe, it's like, the perfect song for right now it, it, it's so timely so I actually <laughs> yes. yes I love it so I actually I'm gonna play the song for our listeners and I'm just wanted to have you quickly introduce the song okay. this is Joanne and my song is called tired feet and I hope that you feel encouraged by it and that no matter what know that your dreams are safe in your heart
Joe, your song was incredible. I absolutely love it. It's going to be on my playlist. Can you let us know like where we can purchase a song, where we can see it or um, view it? Do you have any uh, links or anything that I can place in the description box below for people to be able to access your song? Sure. So it'll be on YouTube. As soon as it launches, the link will be on YouTube or my channel. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be in my bio. Awesome. For um, people who are interested in, you know, pursuing a career in music or dance, what advice you have for them? I don't know how to tell someone step one, step two. Yes. I do a lot of internal work. I, I literally dream. I, I mm -hmm. follow my dreams. I'll write them down. And then when I see this dream unfolding in my life, I know that that's the right way to go. So opportunities come and, and, and I, I manifest those. Mm -hmm. in in an interesting kind of way what's next for you i have another song i'm releasing in three weeks mm -hmm. and now this is back to the you know dance vibe club banger kind of joe one that people know yeah i have a story that i'm publishing I don't want to talk too much about it yet yeah. but it's coming out in the next couple months um our school is still going on you know we have a small arts infused school afrocentric cross um subject school we do a lot of things like that here mm -hmm. so that's expanding and happy that even during covid we've been able to offer online options not just for our students but even globally now yeah so those amazing. are some of the things 
that I've been up to. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, if this COVID thing clears up, then I'll start um, some media tours and some shows within the next three weeks to a month. But, you know, that is just one day at a time. Well, that's so amazing, Joe. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Um, Before we end, I just wanted to have you let people know where they can find you online and connect with you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at joe1jo1bermudian. And um, also, if you want to look at online or remote yoga options, I am joe1yogini, j-o-number-one-yogini. Yeah, people can reach out also if they look Joanne Ball Burgess or Joe One on YouTube. They can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Yay. There's all kinds of fun stuff there. There's music videos, there's yoga flows, there's dance choreographies. There's all kinds of fun stuff there they can find. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Joe, for your time today. Your project is amazing. Sure and, and I'm super excited to see everything that you have um, coming up in the future to share with us. Thank you so, so much for being here. And thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Please share with friends, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us online at theartifacts.com and on Instagram at theartifacts. If you'd like to send us a message or to suggest an artist that you'd like to see on the show, please connect with us at theartifacts at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you our upcoming episodes. Peace and blessings. This recording is copyrighted by Jude Hassel, and all rights are reserved.